Welcome everybody. This is BMW Weekly episode 194. It is 23rd of January 2023. Uh, welcome to Monday. Uh, <laughs> yay! <laughs> Today. <laughs> Super excited. Anyway, uh, as we typically do, we record this on Mondays and we release them on Tuesdays. That's our <laughs> way of doing things. <laughs> well, but this week, uh, we do have a visitor who's Mark Rackley, unless I'm completely mistaken. I remember that no, correctly. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> she is. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming she will join the next call that we have. Yeah, that's true. Guest, yeah. That's, that's true. Or, and if he doesn't join, then we can appoint point him. So we'll, yes. we can we can take his picture in the iPad and chat. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, Mark is a longtime community MVP. He's been around for a long time in different in different roles. So nowadays, is working in Avenade. Uh, I think in the uh, I can well, we'll see what the role is actually as we start recording. <laughs> I don't know what he actually does, <laughs> but he's been around for uh, quite a long time and good to catch up as well on on what's happening. And um, other than that, uh, typical flow. We'll go to first on Mark Rackley, and then we'll jump into weekly articles. But let's go to the interview. <laughs> welcome here, Mark. Uh, welcome joining on the PMP Weekly episode 194. Uh, I got you a smile immediately when I <laughs> But uh, you've been on a show at some point, if I remember correctly, uh, but let's like episode 24 or whatever. So a while back, many, many moons ago. Uh, can we do a quick recap? to look it up. Okay. Can we do a quick recap on who are you and what are you doing for living? Sure. So uh, my name is Mark Rackley. I have been in the SharePoint space since 2007. So I've been around for a little bit, um, you know, kind of did just kind of had my career evolve with SharePoint going from, you know, on-prem to online to Teams and now Viva and just kind of staying up on the topics. Uh, my background is a developer. Uh, these days I'm doing more solutions architecture though. So I do a lot of pre-sales and solutions architecture work, creating POCs out of the various tools, kind of figure out how we can use all the pieces and parts of Microsoft 365 before we actually have to write code. Kind of, yep. you know, writing code is kind of our, our last resort now. Um, I may be known from the past for uh, the, my moniker that I've tried to ditch, but doesn't go away, the SharePoint hillbilly. Uh, so I, I did a lot of little... Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Yeah. So I did a lot of jQuery hacks back in the past that people threw into their environments, and and I got cursed for, I'm sure, about many, many, many uh, sysadmin. And and I remember even like presenting uh, to, to the product group during my first MVP summit, like some of the things I was doing in the content editor web part, and they are like, why on earth would you ever do this? And I was just like, well, <laughs> well you know, because we can. <laughs> it gets stuff done. Yeah. And, the, and then they created the SharePoint framework. So I think, you know, yeah, I think I think they saw what we were doing. I realized what a nightmare you to maintain. You needed to your yeah, problems that you were causing. So. They need to stop our momentum and being able to do things. So they implemented a tool <laughs> to stop yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> You mentioned, you mentioned there an interesting point. So we're going to deep dive directly in what you said because you mentioned something interesting. Be careful what to that, say. Uh-huh. <laughs> always, right? Yes. You mentioned that the coding, like writing code, is really the last thing you do. How do you see last it evolve? Results. Because yeah. you, you, you said, you know, you've, you've been around for a while. So you've seen the evolution, you know, over the years from on-prem and SharePoint designer and whatever in the past we had to today. So how do you see that evolve? How do you see that? Is it empowering us to be able to do more without code, or is it kind of the same thing over the years, just in our set of tools? Um, I'm going to. It's a double-edged sword, actually, because now there has been the rise of this thing called the citizen developer, and I think that it's actually introduced a lot of complexities because 
now you have all these low code tools we never had before. Um, and I think it's uh, added new challenges. Like how do we, you know, how do we deploy and maintain these in low code solutions in enterprise in an enterprise environment? Um, you know, what's the line between load and co low code and no code? I mean, because if you look in these complicated power apps, I'm sorry, that's that's code. It's not traditional code, but it's code. And and uh, your average citizen developer is not going to be able to do it effectively. And if if you are, if you're one of those people who said, no, I can do it effectively. Well, then, you know, stop calling yourself a citizen developer, you're a pro developer and, you know, raise your rates, you know, ask for a raise because it's it's really it's really not that simple. Um, but, you know, we do want to start creating things to where, you know, you know, and during the on prem days, writing code was a bad thing because you could break your server. Right. You could. And people were doing that. They were deploying bad code. It was breaking things. People. And that's why people hated SharePoint. Right. Oh, SharePoint's horrible. Well, no, there were bad developers doing things that that made SharePoint break. But they've stopped all that. Right. And so now we can't deploy anything to the server anymore. So we've got all these other tools. Um, so in some instances, if you want to customize SharePoint, and you have to write code, it's a little more complicated than it was before because now you got to host it somewhere. Uh, you've got to make sure you know all the communications is accurate. you got to make sure all the authentication, authorization, a lot of things that were taken care of for you by deploying to the server, you now have to take into account. So that's gotten a lot more complicated. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I answered your question at all, but that's just kind of like the kind of the landscape of how it's evolved and why if you can stick to as out of the box as possible, it makes your longevity that much easier. You're more future proof. Um, and yeah, the, the maintenance nightmare and trying to debug all the little things is, is getting a lot easier that way. So with that, you know, like with the whole spectrum of tools you mentioned, what do you recommend to customers? Uh, where, you know, do you say go with what is available out of the box versus use no code? Versus, okay, versus for this thing, use yeah. the... Any, any kind of a rule of thumbs related on how yeah. would you select them? Many that? thumbs. How many thumbs can you apply to <laughs> So, I, you know, it, it really, it depends a lot on, on the client's needs and their uh, ability to maintain what they're building. Um, so, definitely, if you get anything out of the box, do out of the box. And a lot of the times, out of the box will get you 85% of the way there. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's some amazing tools out there, amazing web parts out there. Um, I can I point them to the, the PMP galleries too, to say, take a look at what's out there as well. Um, and, and then decide, like, for that last 10 or 15 percent, how critical is that really? I mean, yeah. is it something you have to have or it's a no-go no or or is it something that you know, it's a nice to have, but it's not going to stop us from doing our job? Um, and depending on that answer, I'll say like, like, like they're like, no, no, it, it, we must have it. I'm like, well, let's go live with the phase one where we don't have that. Let's get people in there. Let's see. Let's see what really happens. I, uh, cause I really don't want to push that, that envelope of writing code or, or even going into uh, writing power apps too, because again, I, I still think there's going to be just because it's low code doesn't mean you're going to have maintenance issues. Uh, first I had a client who like. They, they wanted a, a nice upload tool. And I'm like, we can develop that in Power Apps. We were able to throw it together. And we actually threw one together quickly. I said, here, here's how it would work. Uh, it was easy to use. And then they came back and said, okay, so who, who in my team can I train to maintain this and to make updates to it? And it was a non-technical team. And I'm like, you really can't. And then some people say, well, yeah, you can. You can t train them. 
but but you can't. Let's say you have a form on a list and someone wants to add a field to that form. I mean, to, to that list and then update the form and just just all the little things that can go wrong, right? It's not it's not a copy and paste thing. It's a, you've got to know how all the pieces and parts work together. There might be very little code there, but it's very very technical under the covers. And you got to know how data sources work and you got to know the effects of renaming fields and changing fields and what's that going to do to your form and it's it's just it's not simple. So Depending on it's, it, just depends on the requirements. Then does it make sense? Um, I think you know tools like uh, DataVerse for Teams. Uh, I think that's actually a nice thing to look at because now you get a true relational database. You can start looking at the Power Platform in Teams without the additional licensing costs. Uh, it's a great place to prove. I'm all, all about proof of concepts. Let's look at what you really want. Let's build it out in phases, uh, and and go from there. But it's it's just it i love writing code you know I'm, I'm a developer at heart writing code is my therapy right after a hard day of being in meetings if i i want to sit down and write code but it's just it's less and less be the answer to what should you be doing in microsoft 365. so is it because the maturity of the platform and capability so what's causing that uh, transition um microsoft From trying to make money on new tools <laughs> Sorry. Was that my outside no, voice? <laughs> Did I say that out loud? <laughs> well, I think for, so. Actually, I think where they're trying to listen, Microsoft's trying to listen and give people what they want. Yep. Like, you know, I think that a few years ago, Power, in my opinion, I preferred Power Apps from a few years ago when it did fewer things better and easier. But it started seeing such huge adoption, a lot of demand for features, it's, and it's just really exploded. And now you have people build, building really complicated solutions that, again, the average Power Apps person can't even begin to fathom to, to maintain an update. And then a lot of times it'll start running slow. People complain about the performance. And I'm like, look, it's a low-code solution. It's not going to be as fast as something else. And and so it's just it's it's this desire to do everything or it's the desire. It's the fact that the person creating the tools to everything, they're a hammer and everything's a nail. That's the analogy. Like, like yeah. it's it's you got to find the right tool for the job. And sometimes it's not what's in your comfort zone. So look for the look, look, see what else is out there. Does that, from your perspective, that mean that there's a less opportunities for partners in the in the cloud? Or how does it look like from a partner opportunity perspective? Ooh, that's a great. Well, so the the problem with the partner. Uh, 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 ecosystem is like how do you go in and create an amazing tool and then you're worried that Microsoft's going to do the same thing in a few years and roll out the same functionality so how do you invest from a partner ecosystem how do you really invest that much time in building tools when you don't know if Microsoft is just going to make you relevant in a few years um, I do think there's a lot of there's a need for those third-party tools, like a lot of uh, management and governance tools, especially around Teams and Teams Sprawl and provisioning. And there are several companies to choose from that are in that space. Um, and I think that's a, it's a fantastic tool to have uh, to do that sort of thing. Or, or maybe you have a very specific tool you need for your industry. So I think that, that that's an important thing. Or the, you know, custom extensions and and web parts that the partners are building, you know, to like Workday to work within the environment i think those you know that's that's a great opportunity for companies like ServiceNow and workday to, to create solutions to integrate and i think that's going to help them um 
but I don't know if I'd want to be uh, an ISV and been creating tools right now and trying to find one that's just that awesome widget or web part or uh, sorry, Brett, um, that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just it would be a stressful environment for me to, me to be in. I know there's companies that, yep. that make that make it work. and They do a great job. Uh, like Brett yep. Lonsdale is getting a hard time from uh, Lightning Tools. But uh, yep. yeah, it's got to be it's got to be hard. Yeah, I, I think it's, a, of course, it's different than it was, especially if we compare back and on-premises time, because on-premises, sorry, but like coming back on the opportunity model and the maturity of the product was in a completely different level. Um, so nowadays, I think customers are much more kind of willing to I just want to get what's available out of the box and that's it, uh, rather than trying to explain always the model, which which was kind of cool being at the time and actively involved on those projects, which were multi-million dollar intranet deployment projects um, and where you designed the whole experience and there was an advertisement agent which came with the design who was like, what the, you can't we really, can well, we that. can have a look on that. So <laughs> No rounded corners. Yes. Well, I mean, we've got people, we finally got people to where they, we hear people less and less demanding, maybe able to customize the solutions more. I think we've got them finally trained that no, in modern SharePoint, you don't have the master page. You can't make it look however you want it to look. Here's your limitations. I think people are starting to accept that. You know, there's still yep. people who like push back on it. But I think, you know, the that ship is turning. And I think we can see it turning along with the, you know, out of the box, out of the box, out of the box. And, yep. um, and, yeah, I mean, how many how many internet in a box vendors are left? There used to be like before modern SharePoint, there was like a million and a half. Now, if you go to a conference, how many of those booths are inter internet in a box booths? You know, not many. Yep. yep. I think that well, there's still business there for sure, but it's it's oh, yeah. completely different than it was. It it was back in 2008, 2010. Ooh, it was it was such a hot thing. So. Yeah. Were, were there even internet in a box back then? I don't think so. Well, they were all customized. Yeah, Fairpoint, yeah. and then uh, Fairpoint. They were all basically one-off customized, um, and then somebody started creating internet in a box models, and then yeah. yeah, it's 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 an interesting maturity of the IT. So, back in time, back in seventies, they had mainframes, and then you were basically doing jumpers in a mainframe, too, you know. <laughs> So maturity. Yeah, so your core memory back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, fair enough. Fair At enough. the age of four, we were still doing yeah. <laughs> I wanted to okay. uh, get back to uh, discussion that we had about you know power um, and whether non-tech savvy or non-pro devs can do um, things uh, with power. So you mentioned that. Uh, with power being able to do more and more and more, we can build more advanced power apps that becomes complicated and goes beyond like what people who are in developers uh, for a job can really deal with. So where do you see power platform truly shine? Like where do you see, you know, people who are in devs using these tools really effectively and doing cool things for their job, whether it's to working more efficiently, automating stuff, or just being able to have an app for things that otherwise they would do in Excel sheet. Well, so that's, I mean, it's a great question. And, and to be fair, if you use Power Apps has a place, it's a, it's a fantastic tool if you use it correctly. It's just that, it, and it's, I mean, it could be, it's, it's, I see all these mirrors with like InfoPath. InfoPath was a great tool when you used it correctly. Yeah. We see all these companies just, oh, we can do this. So let's do things that are insane with it. So I think if you can keep your Power Apps simple, have a, you know, or even semi complicated, 
but keep the the flow simple, the functionality simple. Don't try to make it do everything. I think it's a great tool for rapid uh, application development. Um, I I think Power Automate is a great tool with all the actions and connectors they have now. It's actually real. I use Power Automate all the time. Um, you know, I think uh, I think Power Virtual Agents are great. So I think that's if you want to start getting creative with bots and building bots, uh, especially especially Power Virtual Agents for Teams. Another something that's included with your licensing you can do today and uh, for creating really powerful bots that connect into Power Automate to help you automate a lot of the solutions. It's a yeah. great way to get started. Uh, so Power BI, I think Power BI now is kind of the go-to uh, reporting tool. I think they've got, yeah. done a great job of, of just maturing and, and building a tool, but like they've never really, all those other tools like Power BI, I think has exploded and, and it is, like I said, the enterprise tool for reporting, but they never, I've never heard it advertised as the citizen developer reporting tool, right? right. True. It's always right. been the enterprise reporting tool. So the problem is, and so they can make it more complicated. They can make it have more bells and whistles because it was, it was never expected to be this low code solution for reporting. So I, th- and that's, and I think that's the problem we found with power apps. It's, it's, it was sold as info path replacement, low code solutions, rapid application development, and you can do all that. But then all this other stuff that they added to it, all the other functionality added to it. And yep. there's fantastic training out there for it. Uh, you know, both Shane Young and Laura Rogers do amazing stuff with training people so that they can actually understand and do it. Um, so I'm not saying that it is impossible for a citizen developer to be able to maintain these complex things. I'm just saying that if you're that good at power apps, I mean, you're 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 a really skilled person, and you yes. should look at having traditional development in your back pocket skills because it's something you would be able to do. Yeah, right? you can handle it. You can you can be a, a regular. You're no, you're not a citizen developer if you're creating those advanced power anymore. Apps. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you how do you see then other way around? Do you see developers being coming to power platform in in your world? I see a lot of resistance from developers going to the power platform. Um, for that. Why? Because they like to write the code, they like the control, they like the, you know, they they came up very much in this, you know, I've got dev, test, production environments, um, they know how all that works, they're very comfortable in that space, they can easily break up code and hand it off to multiple people to work on, so it's very yep. easy to break apart. How do you effectively translate someone who's very comfortable in that environment and good in that environment into the power platform? Like, how do you effectively have multiple devs and power apps working on the same power app, being able to take it through your traditional scrum and, uh, you know, user stories and applying everything in DevOps? And uh, it's I know there are some tools in there to connect it to DevOps to do some some stuff. I haven't really looked into that to see how mature that is. Um, It makes me cringe a bit thinking about but <laughs> i mean maybe it's there <laughs> so so um and there may be someone like that there's some people that really love power that could come on here and they're probably hating me right now and they want to say all the awesome things it does and again it's a i'm not saying it's a bad tool i'm saying that we have to be more judicious with how we're using it uh and and really think about think about where it's and where, where it's going and and of course the the products them all are maturing all the time. So basically, if there's some missing pieces in Power Platform, we might have it in six months. Who knows? But again, and and there are different. Well, if we think about Power Platform versus some other products in Microsoft 365, they've existed for a long time. It's maturity of the service and product and what can be built. Absolutely. Yep. yep. 
Like the things you can do with SharePoint Framework are insane. It went from being you could do web parts. Well, now you can do all these things with the Teams toolkit and create some really amazing things. You can do extensions. You can do extensions in a team meeting. You know, how many people have seen an actual real extension for a team meeting written in SharePoint Framework? Not a whole lot have actually seen that. But it's like, sure. it's there. You can do some really cool things. But yeah. because it's all code, it was never, you know, sold as anything but developers can do this. I, it's, yeah. it's like, well, you can make it as complicated as you want. Right. Sure, sure. We did Sorry. test uh, the meeting apps in the community call last week, and it was an, with a large 320 people community call, and it was an interesting experience. So <laughs> there was a, we were getting there, and, uh, so, but it, there's still challenges, uh, let's face it also on when we're using external people versus internal people in the company and all of that, that changes the things. And at least in my, my world, um, most of my meetings are not, are actually with, external people so right. not inside of a company and then that that's one of the challenges which which we as a Microsoft employee I, I still feel bad about because we keep on rolling features and then the features work as long as they're for internal audience oh, yeah. it's like no but but no it's so confusing how would the end user know that it works now but it doesn't if Mark is in a meeting just yeah. as an example so it's just a, a it's we we need to improve that communication and and it would be better that it's not even rolling out unless it actually truly works because if we think about the modern way of engaging and working in the nowadays world how often mark you will have a meeting where it's only internal people yeah almost never yeah exactly exactly yeah, and, oh and you think about the things that they're promoting like shared channels which are yeah. designed for external people like yeah. what, what does that do to the landscape and that also goes back yeah. to the power platform you know when you start yeah. throwing external users in it's just yeah. it's just another layer yeah. that you have to worry about yes some things work some things don't work and then you're like confused on well what, what works yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it, it's it's that's an interesting challenge related on uh, return of investment or or uh, time to market time to market more and we have the new feature but do you wait that feature to be fully complete or do you actually ship it only for a subset of features and and targeted audiences and get the feedback in it's a really interesting let's say challenge for companies like Microsoft figuring out how do we how do we package and roll out features. So. Right. Well, the thing is like, and the users don't care, right? They just want it to work. Sure. Or sure. It, it works. <laughs> it works. In, you know, it works. <laughs> yeah. That's what they want. And yeah, so when it works exactly. fine, too, for the people in your your company, and you, it doesn't yeah. work for that external user, then they're like, but that just make it work. I don't, I don't yes. get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Nothing is worse than your tooling, which are enabling you to work on not working. <laughs> so, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, or like blue screens in the windows. It's like, come on, how hard can it be? I just need to work. Stop <laughs> doing this. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to have all of these bells and wills and whistles and whatever. Everybody knew. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, yeah. I'm waiting while Dexter's saying, go to Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it enough. Never an issue here. No, I, I had a MacBook Pro for a total of two months, and I got rid of it. I just I didn't like Why? it. Um, too much change. Yeah, too much change. I okay. just never got used to the keyboard layout and all the, the functions. Yep. And I mean, it worked fine, but yeah, nothing. I was not more productive with it. Okay. I recall, like, for years, you know, I would spend a lot of like insane amount of time to try to, you know, understand Windows registry, all the different tweaks you could do with it. And then at some point I got to Mac and I 
chose not to learn any of that. I chose, chose to be the oblivious end user. I've never learned anything from the British. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking? Why would you? <laughs> really? Oh, what? dude, like Windows 95, Windows 98. <laughs> oh, the tweaks you could do, the hacks. Oh, yes, but items. why would you yeah. spend time on that stuff? <laughs> because when things broke, you could, oh, fair point. you could look at things, you know? It's so like sometimes, you know, you had wrong install or you did something and things broke and you were able to fix that. No, and it's like things doesn't work. I have no idea why. Yeah. And I'm okay with that in a way. Like I have other things to worry about. So. Well, what I like about that is the fact that now when people call me to ask for computer help, I'm like, I don't know. I don't do that anymore. Stop calling <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I work in IT, although I cannot fix DNS or your printer. Yes. Right. Your exactly. Printer. exactly. <laughs> it's, called, it's called Google. Well, if your internet's down, use your phone. So my, <laughs> yeah. my mother-in-law was visiting us yesterday, and, and she came with the internet isn't working in my phone. Internet isn't working in my phone. Okay, Android. So I have no idea. It's like okay, let's reboot. <laughs> Works. Here we go. What did you, you know. do? <laughs> right. <laughs> Turn it off, off and on again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, wife had the same thing uh, on on an iPad on Friday or whatever. It's like this is behaving badly. I don't understand. Reboot. Reboot. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Fixed. <laughs> yep. And then I go, you guys shouldn't have to do that. I'm like, just just <laughs> do it. Just, yeah, yes, exactly. you're right. And you're still exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get back on the on the. So, so Mark, you've been around for a long time. How do you get to be a Mark? If somebody wants to be a Mark in a Mark's um, position, um, I think not that your well, position is free for taking. But how do you get to do your stuff? You know, if, if someone hold up, hold up. You <laughs> have a son who is working, and he used to work for you back before you switched job, right? So, how did that work? Like, what kind of advice? Like. What inspired him mm. to go in your to follow in your steps in a way and get interested in SPFX and 55 and so forth and so on? Yeah, I mean, I think it's and I'll, I can answer both questions because I think part of it's just a passion for technology and being a geek at heart and loving to play the new things and dig into it. And my son, unfortunately or fortunately, inherited that that geekiness from me. Like he yeah. started off early, like you know, playing around with Minecraft. That was a really big thing for him. And he loved doing the redstone builds in Minecraft where you could build things like, you know, basic circuitry and stuff. And I think that got his mind working on the whole logic of it. And so he started playing around with JavaScript a little bit. Um, and so and he set up his own Minecraft server and figured out how to do the porting on the router to make it work for his friends could log in. And, and he was all like, this was middle, he's in middle school, I think, doing all this stuff. But he just really enjoyed it. That's what he loved doing. Yeah. Uh, and then funny enough, I put him through uh, Andrew, Con Andrew Connell's Voitano's course uh, to oh, learn the SharePoint framework. And he was, yeah. he was in, he might've been in high school at this time, just in high school. Um, and he did, he, you know, he understood it. He took to it. He actually helped uh, AC work on some of his course materials after the fact, kind of getting some stuff cleaned up. Um, and then he started working first doing consulting because, you know, I worked from home and he could do SharePoint framework stuff. I'm like, well, sure, I'll pay you $25 an hour to, to write, create a web part for us. And yep. And and he was good at it. And he picked up on it. Um, and then he went into the Power Platform, and then he started doing stuff with the Power Platform. He's probably the best Power Apps developer I know, uh, to be honest. He's he's really 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 good. Uh, I have to ask him questions how to do things. I'll be like, that's stupid. And he's like, yep, sorry, that's how it works. Um, <laughs> Perfect. And oh, that is he, so cool. Yeah, and then we got him in front of clients, so he can actually meet with the client, gather the requirements, like walk users through how to use the applications he's built. Um, 
And he's just got that kind of that tenacity and stubbornness to figure things out. Like he would, he would come in my office and say, I I, I assign a task. He's like, well, this, I can't do this. I'm like, I'm in a meeting, go figure it out. (laughs) So I was not the the best at explaining it. Be like, go Google this. I can't help you right now. And he would figure it out. So he had that stubbornness to be able to figure things out. And, you know, now he actually uh, works at Avanade as well. So he got hired a few months back. He's a, a, he's a senior, senior consultant. So he's still a senior in college. I'm sorry, senior analyst. He's a senior analyst at Avanade and um yeah, doing doing all the stuff that he loved. He's so he's a computer science major, so a lot of uh, uh development there. Did an Android app for uh how to do cocktail drinks. Uh you know, he said as part of his classes and, and even after the class was over, he's like, Well, I'm gonna rewrite the app because I know how to do it better now. And so it's yep. it's just he does have a passion for that cool. technology. Yep. And that's that's I think that's the core at, at being part of this group is like having that passion for tech so you're doing it when you don't have to be doing it and then yeah. for me i i stumbled onto the fact that i love speaking i just really enjoy going to conferences and and speaking and teaching and um that's evolved a bit into mentoring as well um so it's just created this community of friends that i have i mean both of you are your dear friends to me i mean i re- yep. really i mean and i've got a lot of friends that i got because of all of this so yep. that's really helped oh, keep yeah. me going as yeah. well yeah all of those connections and everything else. Now, yeah. related on community and friends and something, I can say the SharePoint Balusa from 2014 on a background, but your your uh, your cap has something which you've been organizing uh, quite a lot as well. Can you talk about uh, what, what, how, how did you start hosting and running conferences as well? Yeah, so like back in 2000, I went to my first SharePoint conference and, you know, actually my first SharePoint conference, SPC back in 2009 as well. But I, I saw these community events start to pop up. So in 2009, I decided to organize an event in Harrison, Arkansas, which is like middle of nowhere. It's a town of 12,000 people. So I went to my local community college. They said they'd give us the space for free. I reached out to all the friends I'd made at that point um, and any that were in driving distance. A lot of people came in to speak. Like So like Eric Schultz was here. Uh, I'm afraid Becky Isserman was here. Um, John Faringer, uh, Matt Brimmer, I mean, Mike Watson, if you remember Mike Watson back from the day, I mean, mm-hmm. a bunch of people, uh, Laura Rogers, Lori Gowan, Kathy Dew, they all came to this little town in Harrison, Arkansas to speak at this little conference. And it was less than 100 people. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a free one day event. I did that for a couple of years in Harrison. Then I moved it up to Branson, Missouri, which is uh, more of a, a destination city. Still hard to get to, but more of a destination city where I did it at a, uh, a little chateau on the lake resort. Um, and I thought, well, this is a really <laughs> cool place. Why don't we expand it? So I turned it into what I called SharePoint Alusa at the time because I, I would bring in a couple of bands to play for people. I turned it into a multi-day event, um, moved it to the Branson Convention Center that's on Branson Landing, which is this nice place. And I had to start charging a little bit of money because now I had fees coming in. So I charged a little bit of money to cover my costs. I was still able to cover those costs uh, and bring in people and grow it and grow it. And then just uh, four or five years ago, I partnered with Addis' conference, the European Collaboration Summit, to yep. rebrand as the North American Collaboration Summit. So uh, just kind of growing that same thing, like, you know, bringing in speakers. One of the fun things we did was we would do the conference like the weekend before MVP Summit when there was an MVP Summit. And so I got a lot of European speakers to come and speak and and turn it into like a event. It's, you know, the way I looked at it, it's like uh, I, I do live in a part of the world that's hard to get to. So I wanted yep. to be able to create an event where I could throw a party for my friends and make it fun and educational for everybody and just make it something that people would want want to do. And yeah, it's been 13 years since I started. 
Uh, we are looking at moving to Dallas, though. It's just gotten too big for me to do on my own. Um, so we're looking at moving it to a bigger city, easier for people to get to, and also that already kind of has a community in place in that area that where that community can help me grow it as well. Because let's face it, Branson, there's no SharePoint community. It's me. And I've, I've heard that Dallas has a decent-sized airport, so that might help. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently decent-sized. So. Apparently decent-sized airport. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, we need to close in a, in, a, in a few minutes, but can you do kind of a, for anybody who's looking into doing user group or community events, or can you do like top three tips on how do you, how do you get started? That sounds oh, so like a horrifying uh, there's thing. One to tip. Do. I've got one tip, community days. So Microsoft just launched this effort called community days. Communitydays.org is where you go. I'm actually on the board. I'm one of the board members of the community days and are we exist to help communities build those events right and i would say if you want to get started you don't don't have to think big if you can do a 50 person event with three tracks at your local community college or at the local microsoft offices where yep. they're happy to help you as well you can get started for very free so if you have a passion for this stuff and want to do it um you know reach out to me look go to communitydays.org look for information there and is that is that only for M365 events or is it business apps, power platform dynamics, Azure, yes. whatever? All that, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. Community days is it's it's not it's not relegated to Microsoft 365. If you wanna if you're a part of any uh, I would say anything in the Microsoft ecosystem, you know, yep. join, start something. If there's no conferences that do what you do, start one, right? Yeah. Create your own That's movement. Good way for approaching that. Now before we close, what's happening this week? Anything interesting on on your what you can talk about? Nothing ND, under NDA, or you can talk about NDA stuff as well. We are among friends. Um, among friends, right? yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> anything interesting just... happening this week? Just to recap, and before we close. Gosh, um, no, I'm just hoping to avoid all the ChatGPT posts that are out there. It's like <laughs> it's all it is. It's so much noise. It's like, oh, that's just, true. That just, is let's, so true. Let, let's let's. What else is going on besides that? I'm so 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 yeah. sick of the noise around that. Uh, <laughs> well, like, well, anything. What what are you well, trying to avoid? On this that week? note, over the weekend, <laughs> I tried it for a few things, and I was surprised. Like ideas that it shared for a few things, it's like, huh, like I didn't think of that. So, like for the few things that I'm planning to yep. do, was like think about this or think about that, and it's like it can go about many things like you know like what kind of of metrics to use to track x or how can you do y or what should you take into account when you're doing x and some of the things you know that's why you sent all of those messages for me throughout the weekend (laughs) (laughs) now i see yeah exactly (laughs) well Um, i know we're at time but there's one story i do want to tell like i don't want to say that i think chat gpt is is the future it's awesome it's fantastic i'm just like all the people like oh i gotta jump on the bandwagon i gotta write we got posts about it but like the story I like to tell is that when my son was doing his senior project for creating a drink application to create drinks, and he has a YouTuber that he follows that he loves the way he makes drinks. So he was trying to put his drinks into his database. So that means he would have to read through the transcript, pull out the, all the ingredients and everything, yep. and it was taking forever. So he yep. used ChatGPT. This was last yeah. year. And he said, ChatGPT, from this transcript, I want you to build me a JSON object that has the ingredients and quantities <laughs> for the yeah. drinks for the recipes. Wow. And it was exactly able that. to do it. Yeah. It it, yeah. it yeah. went through yes. the chat transcript and built this JSON object yep. that had ingredients and amounts. And he was yep. able to put yep. that directly into his application. Yep. Well, just That's really cool. like amount of time saved, right? Like it's not exactly a, like you're not asking it for a brand new idea, but you're asking for the fixing the mundane aspects of the work. Exactly. Yes. 
I will. It's I will use it because it yeah. is it is that good. You can tell write PowerShell scripts for specific things. So I, I know I got to write, write a PowerShell script to do this, so I'm just going to ask it. Create a PowerShell script that goes through all my site collections and SharePoint Online and returns a list of the site owners. It will build you that PowerShell script that you yeah, can use. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, sure. Like you still need to check if it if it makes sense, but it's so much easier to add it than to create by yourself. Exactly. Yes. All the arguments yes. and so forth and so on. Starting point. Yeah. 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 So, um, other than that, this week is prep week. Right? So next week we are going to release a new version of the Microsoft Graph Developer Proxy, and we're also going to release a new version of CLI for Microsoft 365. So it's a lot of wrap up, prepping announcements, getting everything in place for the releases. Um, and other than that, work as usual, planning, planning more things to come soon. So stay tuned. Vesa, what about you? What are uh, you yeah, so this? quickly recapping here, uh, watching the dog going out from the terrace. So I'm kind of a cool yes, wife went as well. So that's good. good. Uh, so <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I, I have actually surprising a lot of community stuff on my uh, planning this week. And it wasn't supposed to be like this because we had uh, semester planning uh, summaries last week. And now my calendar is just full of community meetings, community planning, brainstorming, what we can do here. Uh, what's actually cool to see is, is a massive momentum and growth on, on also virtual communities and this kind of remote things with Mark, for example, we haven't seen for a long time. But hey, this isn't too bad. Uh, so having this consistent way of still having community engagement, not only in in-person, because if we compare how far we are right now with this virtual models and community calls and everything else, we are really far from before the pandemic, right? Yeah. So last week, as an example, just to call it out, we have 1,500, more than 1,500 live attendees in our community calls. That's crazy. That's that's crazy, uh, but it's it's just a it's it's a great uh, way of showing that well people people like them they they and they know when they happen you can easily schedule the the day and the family and work around them so it it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Now, I do apologize. I need to jump. Uh, we I need to go and drop my kid to the dojo. So you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that, didn't mean that, that, didn't, that didn't take you very, very far. <laughs> sounded really bad, actually. <laughs> yeah, you still need, need to practice something. Yes. We expect more next week. <laughs> okay, fair point. Being improving as that you are. Yes, absolutely. Improving week by week. Anyway, thank you, Mark. Uh, really awesome to, to catch up um, and great to have a discussion. Uh, we'll be hopefully meeting at some point. So, ECS, I think. In ECS, actually. So, yes. So we'll catch up there because yeah. Waldeck is going to be there as well. So. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yes, yeah. that's cool. But thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, thank you, uh, Mark, uh, for joining us on this. We'll jump then to the weekly articles, going through them with Waldeck. But thank you for this one. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Mark. Bye. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. Uh, one more time on the on the good chat. Uh, thank you for joining us. And, and good to catch up as well. So really, really cool. Cool uh, to have your perspective on the discussions. What's happening in Microsoft 365 World? Anyway, uh, let's jump on the, on the weekly articles and see what's happening there. This one uh, was a, a bit uh, slower week. I guess that's because of some of the announcements which were happening. So we didn't push out too many blog posts from Microsoft side, but actually also from a community side, it was much slower than typically. Whatever, whatever reason, I don't know. I, mean, I can imagine, you know, it's the time of year where it goes up and down, yeah. Back to work, and now yep. you know everybody's back. So new plans heads yep. down to work, and yep. then slowly that work would will even out eventually. So. Workity, 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 workity. Yes. 
could be a word. It isn't, but you know, in English, anything could be a word. Now, um, <laughs> let's start with Nicole's article around Microsoft Mesh creating connections at the World Economist Forum. And this is a basically a use case scenario related to Microsoft Mesh usage uh, in the context of World Economics Forum and, and basically showcasing different things and, and cool, uh, cool, really cool modern uh, technologies. And I think there's a lot of potential in Microsoft Mesh. Let's see how it actually moves forward and how, how enterprises and in the, how we are adapting these kind of things in the, in the enterprise and the work world. Uh, but um, of course, if, when you are younger, probably a bit more excited and enthusiastic about uh, the mesh stuff as well because it gives you alternative ways of engaging it's a new way of collaborating well i mean it is cool right so a while back uh in my team we we tried it for a meeting and the one yep. thing that that was insane was the fact that you hear people so so all so like all of us would sit around a table in yep. vr yeah and you would see people's Spatial voices area. From yeah, where yeah. they yes, sat at the table and that was like that's really cool. so immersive that was like yeah. wow it, it, it was really uh intriguing or, or yeah an unexpected thing to me yep yeah that's that's actually really cool that was also an VR space and and those had you you had that audio distance impact and it actually Space gives a audio, really yeah. nice it's it's yeah. it's a really nice experience now it, the question from my, my side is and we talked about this one was it andrea uh from uh avenate uh, the vr uh, manager there as well in one of the shows a while mm -hmm. back is that when is the time is right for this so the question is just yeah. when uh, i'm i'm much more confident about uh, the mesh and AR, ar vr stuff than the 3d televisions which never was a success but you know well, I mean, eventually, you know, like everybody who wears these will be able to get them to get just a true, VR experience. True, so like, true. eventually. Whenever. Eventually. How yes, long exactly. that it exactly. will take, we will That's see. True. That is so. separate. Anyway, on, on other news, there was also a nice news from Alexis Kinseling, uh, kind of a summary blog post, just a reminder on people on how to implement proactive notifications, Microsoft Teams using Power Automate or Azure Logic Apps. And Azure Logic Apps is basically powering powering Power Automate. That's yes. a good way of saying that. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there are a few different options, uh, and also kind of then the the how many messages can that particular option actually uh, output. So if you are implementing something like a for massive scale, you need to understand how many messages you are able to send within an hour, and what are the implications and and design architectures and options. So really really cool. Um, uh, kind of a summary blog post for additional references. Thank you, Alexis, on that one. Then we had a article uh, from Power Apps Community uh, blog related on detailed step-by-step -step Power App Platform ALM with Azure DevOps. Correct, right? So typically when you build apps, you, or typically, when you build Power Apps or Power App Platform apps and you're looking into more structured and repeatable way of deploying them, you will look into ALM, right? So how yep. you can have a release pipe that's going to bring everything you build from your repository to production. And there are actually two, uh, two articles here, right? So the one we're looking at is about implementing that on DevOps, but there's also another one that shows you how to achieve the same thing in GitHub Actions. GitHub. I think yep. we, we missed that. But basically the idea is, right, that you can have that structured approach with Power Platform as well. So if yeah, that's something that you are interested things. with, check yep. it out. 
really, really cool. Uh, it's good that we're getting to this level of a flexibility and professional uh, developer stories in here as well. So it's 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 you can actually see the massive speed of adaption uh, or adapting these new capabilities in Power Platform, which is awesome as well. Now, uh, in our monthly series in SPFX side, uh, I'm going to run through these five relatively fast. We had again five uh, articles uh, written last week. This is the the exercise which <laughs> I'm forcing myself to write an article every single day. Except this week, luckily, Julie and Bob Turner helped a bit, uh, so that freed up a bit of my time as well. But there was a transforming SharePoint add-ins and to SPFX solution article. This actually got a lot of attention. Um, it, you never know which article is the one which is yeah. catching. It's it's super weird because that's something what I realized now writing 20 of these is that you have no idea. Uh, you might be like, this is the article and this is the, the most interesting topic and, and then you don't you get this. And then a picture of a cat and, and it goes <laughs> Exactly. Viral. It's, and like, it's interesting. Yeah. And then we had the Buffs and SPFX solution offerings to App Source uh, and SharePoint Store. So how does that actually work and designing uh, guidance and uh, design guidance assets for building Microsoft Viva extensions with SPFX. So, um, and this is actually super important right now as we're rolling out the Viva Home, uh, which can be extended using SPFX. There's no blog post for that, which I still don't quite understand why but you know um why didn't you write it vesa <laughs> yeah i guess i need to step in on that side as well uh and then julie had a great getting started with using a pmpjs in your spfx solution this is a and this is actually posted on her own blog as well but it's a cross post in here thank you julie on helping uh with the monthly series and then Buck german had a nice blog post as well which is on building a shared map solution for microsoft teams with spfx so how could you uh a scenario implementing spfx um, solution for microsoft teams now, Chris O'Brien had a new cool article as well. Yes, definitely, right? So in this article, he mentions a new license or new way to use syntax, which is pay as you go. So in other yep. words, you don't need to buy, you know, a license for upfront for usage. You basically, depending on how much you use it, you pay as you go. And that's an interesting thing uh, because it gives you more flexibility, I would say, right? Because like yep. at, at the end of the day, you only pay for resources that you actually use. So this is a new form basically to accommodate some of the needs, right, that we heard from the customers. Yep, absolutely. Really, really cool. Give some flexibility on, and you can much more easily test things out and then say like, oh, that's actually super useful. Let's now buy the exactly. license. Exactly. Makes sense. Now, uh, uh, Peter Venstra had a uh, blog post related on item versus items in apply to each step in Power Automate. Um, he's writing a lot on his blog post, which are great about um, this this kind of references and guidances. And I can imagine that he has the same thing as, as we've seen quite often in Twitter, where it's just like, hey, I had a look on, I had a problem, went to Google, tried to find out, found it from my own blog. That's why we write. That's one way, one exactly. reason to write the things. Yeah. So, well, yeah, and I mean, like at the end of the day, like you can, you can, like there are different types of articles, right? Like there are things where you want to share share an idea or you want to yep. share some sort of thought you have, and these might take some time. Whereas some other things, like are in a in a way, note to self. I had this thing took me more than a minute to uh, to find out the way it works. I want to take note of that for. Yep myself I, but also for yeah. anybody else who will probably run into the same thing too so absolutely absolutely that's super super useful and and thank you peter also for doing that absolutely now bob Ballack had a new blog post as well uh, introduction to bolo Bol notebooks and pmp core sdk what is bolo 
notebooks. So these are interactive notebooks, and I think this is coming. If I recall correctly, recently uh, Brian Checkett did some research into that, like how you could have basically interactive C sharp code uh, in a browser, right? So yep. in Python, we had all this for a long time, right? Where you could run interactive Python code uh, in basically in browser in a doc, right? And now apparently yep. you can do the same thing in C sharp. So this is yep. really great for anything interactive, whether it's yep. docs, whether it's readme, whether it's article. Like imagine that you can have an article like, hey, run this code, click, and it will do whatever it's supposed to do, right? So yep. this is a really Absolutely. great way to significantly improve, you know, the experience for uh, developers. Yeah, we we had a, a M-Traces for platform community called demo on this one as well. So that was actually done by Brian Jacket and, and a few others. Now, moving going forward on articles, uh, Marcin Wojciechowski uh, from uh, Valo or from Staffbase had a blog post related a more flexible SPFX development with a simple React app. What what is this all about? Well, like you you actually had a look on this. Yeah, and this is actually pretty cool, right? So in this article, he pushes the boundaries of SPFX. In a way that imagine that you want to build a bigger like a bigger app on SPFX. Yep. And idea is right that if you if you build like you might be experienced React Dev, so you might know more about you know toolchain things like uh, that, and you want to basically build a React app and only at the end bring it into SPFX because like throughout the dev you might not need SPFX at all. Right? You build yep. React app. And you basically use all features that you've got available there, whether it's to uh, structure the project, mock services, whatever it is you want to do. But it's kind yep. of a great way to also think about, hey, like, I, if you want to build things on SPFX, at the end of the day, it is a React app. So yep. you also have the ability, if you think about scale, if you think about like really something big, you can also do it in a way uh, he shares, right, where it's just a React app. And then at the end, when you've got everything ready, you can bring it to SPFX and kind of yep. benefit from the uh, the hosting, SSO, and everything else you've got you've yep. got available in SPFX. So this makes, is also a sense. great great idea for approach. Yep. Thank you, Marcin, on that one. Now, Julie Turner had an update on Friday related on a new version of H2O Fluent and uh, React components, and this is basically H2O is a Fluent UI design. Uh, project um, run by open uh, community, uh, but it's based on the Microsoft uh, designs and patterns and practices and all of that stuff. And then Julie has a set of React controls on top of it, uh, which I know she's using uh, heavily within her SPFX solutions for customers. And really, 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 really cool stuff um, and easily usable for sure. Now, we also had a new video from Rabia Williams uh, related on export list of Microsoft Teams team easily. And this one basically yeah. is a really cool video. So you want to do a quick intro? Yeah, exactly, right? So we're experimenting with a new idea for videos like short videos to basically see like, does that resonate? And in this example, uh, we're working through one of the samples that we have in CLI, which is about uh, getting the users and the data from, from Teams, right? So yep. We basically want to see, or we'd love to hear from you. Does that work? Does that resonate? Uh, would you like to see more of these, or do you prefer a more elaborate, you know, long-form video where we really walk you through step by step? So we'd love yeah. to hear, like, hey, does that spark your interest? Because at the end, that's the goal. Yep. Or do you 
you'd like to see some more things instead. Are uh, the shorts working or not? Um, it's yes. a, I was thinking yeah. mixed messages on on that as well. So for some uh, some stuff it seems to work, and for some stuff, yeah, not so much. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I did saw already uh, quite a nice number of views for this one, uh, like immediately within an hour after submission. So, huh. which is cool. So that's really yeah. cool. That's cool. Anyway. Uh, and then we had a new video from April, how to use virtual tables to show SharePoint and SQL data in Dataverse. So basically combining stuff in a single virtual table. That's actually really cool as well. Uh, kind of, uh, how would I say it? It's a classic industry uh, scenario where you want to have a middle table virtual combining information. And then that's the abstraction piece when you are using your code or writing the code rather than having complexity of hitting the multiple backends, so makes, makes perfect sense. Jo joining the data, normalizing. Exactly, exactly. That's which, well, in, yeah. in a past, typically, probably you would do it with ETL, right? Where you bring different data sources, combine into one, transform, unify, aggregate, and then load it to another place from which you aggregate it in your app. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, there's multiple ways of doing that, of course. Yeah. And, and and advantages and disadvantages in both of them. Like so anything else, right? Like and anything that's, else. that's life. So. <laughs> it's what all people say. And then we had a new video from Shenyang, uh, seven ways to save your business money in 2023 with Power Apps. So how do how can you actually save money? Um, I think uh, he's hitting maybe the on the nerve of what people would be interested in watching as well. So we'll see. Definitely. Of course, you always want to save money. So why wouldn't? Why would you not save well, money? Yeah, but, exactly. You know, I mean, like this is really great because, like, if I look at the list, right? These are everybody needs that right like everybody yes. needs something for yes. hr expenses or purchases inventory management mobile time machines like, yeah, yeah everybody exactly. needs that right so yep. if, if there's a way to do that with the tools you have and you don't need to purchase something else why not exactly exactly reuse achieve more with the tools and investments what you have already done seems to be the theme of the of the week or a day or a, whatever so which makes perfect sense. Absolutely, 100%. Now, let me actually stop presenting. And let's see if we can get your a bit of a frozen, or maybe I'm frozen. You're frozen. You drop. No, no, you're frozen. You drop. No, you're frozen. No, no, I'm not. You're frozen. <laughs> no, you're not. You drop first. You close first. <laughs> you close first. <laughs> Whatever else you vote. <laughs> yes. You close first. Anyway, so that's that's uh, all we're going to do this week. Uh, thank you, uh, Mark Rackley, on joining us. Um, I think we recapped the weekly things and plans throughout that uh, discussion already. So what's happening this week? So we're not going to repeat it in here. Anything else? So long and thanks for all the fish. We will be back with the next episode next week. Sounds good. Please remember to use hashtag PMP Weekly if you are in Twitter. Uh, we'll find uh, the awesome stuff that you're writing. It helps us to cover your topics in the in the call as well. But thanks, everybody. Keep the feedback coming. We are building Microsoft 365 experiences for you. So it's important for us to know what works, what doesn't work, and how can we improve that. But thanks, everybody. Cheers. Thanks, Waldeck, as well. Goodbye.